So um, welcome to School of Supernatural. We appreciate you coming tonight. Uh, it is called School of Supernatural because uh, this is not like a normal church setting um, in the sense that uh, I'm just going to teach and then we'll go into ministry. We probably will get there at some point. But we're going to spend uh, extensive time, at least tonight, getting into the Word of God. And I'll tell you in a minute why I feel that's important. But uh, also, uh, the environment uh, is set to teach and train and to really dig into a topic. This is not like a Sunday morning service. Um, so I thank you for coming. If you finish before me, you're welcome to go. No problem, no shame, no blame. I know some people have been working all day. But uh, uh, I, I have a commitment to the Lord that I want to do everything God's called me to do. And I promise you I'll sit down when I think the Holy Spirit wants me to sit down. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming. How many uh, in this room, you're an ordained minister or you're a leader of a ministry, want you stand? Thank you, Lord. Why don't we stretch your hands towards them, these people? Father, tonight we thank you for these who you've called. I just felt this in the spirit. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, everything you're doing in this environment, we ask that you add to the purpose and call upon their life. I just declare over the ministers in this room that this will be a season. This next six months of 2018 will be a season of acceleration, purpose, vision, and the miraculous as never before. I don't know why I keep seeing that. I also just keep seeing that door. And I say to every leader here that you're stepping into an open door into the glory of God as never before, and there'll be an acceleration of the purposes of God in your life. There'll be increased wisdom and revelation and knowledge and understanding, and, uh, and you will finish this year uh, more fruitful than you've ever finished a year in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, so the schedule is tonight, uh, 7 p.m. Uh, uh, we start at 7 tonight, and uh, tonight we are going to do what I call a biblical worldview, which is a foundation for the supernatural. Tomorrow morning, 9.30, Pastor Albright, Pastor, why don't you stand, please? And uh, you don't want to miss that. And uh, we, don't, we, don't, uh, we don't plan what we're going to, we don't compare notes the only requirement he has, and I know he's going to do it, is just to obey the Holy Spirit. So 9.30, and then tomorrow afternoon, it's the introduction to moving in the gifts of the Spirit, and also um, some, uh, a, a lot more story time, because I find stories are very helpful in my illustration. Here's some things. Every time uh, we gather like this, at least for our ministry and the things that Lord, the Lord calls us to do, and the, the reason I'm telling you that is because I want you to come into agreement. We're going to pray, and then we're going to open up the Word of God tonight. Uh, the Lord gives me some prophetic insight of what he wants to do. And sometimes I get a little nervous because I go, oh, that's kind of out there. But I've realized that everything he's ever called me to do is absolutely impossible. But if he says it, it's all possible. Amen. And I, this is, I know it's kind of, it's not meant to be funny. I've realized I'm not God. <laughs> and I've realized if I just trust him, He'll do what he needs to do, and, I'll, and, and he'll put me in the right place to make sure I do what I'm supposed to do. So this is what God told me. He said he's going to pour out his spirit in an unprecedented manner. There's going to be a supernatural release of, of finances during the offering time to those who give. There'll be an activation of the gifts of the spirit. There'll be a release of healing and signs and wonders. Faith will be given for things I've already spoken to my people. Do you know there's something... Uh, God can speak to you something, 
but unless you really, it's one thing of, I know that's what God has, for, or, or I agree that's something God has for me, to I know that's what, God, that what's what God has for me. And in environments like this, I found that you just hang around God, and eventually I call it like a click. It's not that you didn't believe it, but you go from believing to knowing. Faith will be birthed for new things. Faith will be strengthened and encouraged. And the word of the Lord is going to be released. So why don't we just stand on our feet and lift our hands. You agree with that? In fact, why don't you grab hands of the person next to you. Father, tonight, thank you. Thank you for the angel of the Lord that's here tonight. Thank you for the angel that brings revelation. Thank you that this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the place where angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. And Father... We recognize our absolute dependence upon you tonight. We say without you we can't do anything, but with you we can do all things. So we put our faith in agreement with that. You said where two or more agree, it shall be done. So we call it done, Father. Father, I ask you. Father, without you I can't do anything, but with you I can do all things. Fill me with your spirit. Open up your word. Father, let it be like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus that you opened up the word to them and their hearts burned and it all pointed to you. Let the teaching tonight, the teaching of your word, point to your beautiful son and your king, Jesus. We thank you tonight that there is an open heaven in this place. We thank you that there's an open heaven in this place. Confirm your word tonight with miracles. I bless your people to be good hearers. Lord, deliver us of everything this world has to offer and teach us how to be good kingdom citizens tonight in greater measure. Let people's hands come alive with your healing power. Let their ears come alive to your voice. Father, I I bless Cornerstone. Father, I just say from the north, the south, the east, and the west, harvest is coming to this place as never before. Harvest is coming. Supernatural harvest, harvest, harvest of people, harvest of miracles, harvest of discipleship, Lord. And Father, we are, we are hungry, Lord, to know your ways. So deliver us of anything, any wrong thinking tonight, and we will repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, we're going to use, we're probably going to see a lot of scripture tonight, but John the sixth chapter, really interesting statement here. From Jesus, they're, they're talking to Jesus and they're asking him here, John 6. Then they said to them, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So they're asking Jesus, obviously, how do we do what you want us to do? Or how do we do what we see you doing? So they're pointing to outward behavior, outward manifestation, And the answer of Jesus is pretty incredible, and we'll look at that in a minute. But what we'll see here in a minute is our behavior is defined by our belief system. 
I, I sometimes will tell people, uh, you know, when we apologize for, to somebody for maybe saying the wrong thing, we said, I didn't mean to say that. What we really should say is, I didn't mean for you to know what I really think about that situation. <laughs> because what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are, are we good? Yeah, oh, up there. Thank you, Mr. Salman. Uh, quick question. Are, are, we are recording this, correct? All right, thanks. So our belief system defines our behavior. And so I want to lay a foundation. I believe that the Lord has given me this uh, mandate tonight to lay this foundation of what we see. And it's obviously, we can't complete it in one setting. But what is a biblical worldview? A worldview is, this, is defined as this. It's a comprehensive conception or apprehension of the world from a specific standpoint. It's as the word suggests, worldview is an overall view of the world. It's not the physical world, but rather a philosophical view. I forget which theologian it was, but he said this. He said, he said everyone is a theologian. It's really true. The problem is, in the end, how the world functions, even as Americans, our opinion doesn't matter. It'll get better in a minute. <laughs> a person's worldview represents the most fundamental beliefs and assumptions about the universe. Here's a common assumption. God's in control of everything. Even unbelievers have that assumption. It reflects all the big questions of human existence, fundamental questions about who and what we are and where we came from. One of the reasons why the enemy loves that teaching that we descended from apes is that if you're an ape or if you have an animalistic instinct, you function from the realm of the soul. But I, I'm not going to touch that. It asks the questions, why we're here? That's really important because what you'll see is there's a reason that Jesus came and there's a way that he taught his disciples and where we're headed, the meaning and purpose and the nature of the afterlife, what counts for good life. Few people think through those issues, but they still have a belief system about it. Worldview, this, and this is, this is probably uh, the most important part of it shapes and informs the experiences of the world around us. How many know I grew up outside New York City? I do not have the same worldview as Pastor Al because he grew up in Tabor City. North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> I didn't know what collard green was. Didn't want collard greens. <laughs> he probably doesn't know what good New York pizza is. Worldview shape and informs our experiences of the world around us. They are glasses that affect the way and how we see it. Depending on the lenses, some things can be seen more easily. Conversely, they may be de-emphasized or distorted. Some things may not be seen at all depending on your environment and the world that you grow up. This, is, this has been highlighted to me, especially when I work with poorer people. Poor people do not think, I'm talking about really poor. In America, no one's poor compared to the people I work with. I'm serious. 
Some of the people that sit in some of the meetings we do, especially in the Philippines, they don't know if they're going to eat that night. That's why you feed them. Because they're not listening to a thing you said when you're hungry and your little three-year-old is hungry. So here's the answer. This is the work of God that you may believe in him who sent. It doesn't make any sense. Well, so he's teaching us that what you believe about defines what you will manifest on the outside. So here, I believe God wants to take us to look at God's original intention in Genesis chapter 1. I, the more I, I, I keep reading Genesis because I just keep pulling more and more out of it. Here's God's original intent as we can understand it from the book of Genesis. Really, really important. What you'll see is, if you don't understand the book of Genesis, or even the Old Testament, you won't understand Jesus, you won't understand the kingdom of God, and you won't understand God's original intent. All scripture, all, not some, not the one you, I've seen, I, it really, honestly, it just bothers me, and it's wrong, when I hear certain biblical teachers mock the Old Testament. Well, why did God put that in there? Because he's smarter than you. All scripture, all scripture is given, what? By inspiration, right? And profitable for doctrine. That means he put it in there to show us something. First book of the, first verse of scripture. In the beginning or when time began, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face uh, of the earth. The reason I say when time began, because God has no beginning and God has no end. That's a key characteristic about God. That's, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He actually, when you get born again, he already starts with the end in mind. That's why he doesn't hold your trespasses against you. That and the blood of Jesus. Notice when he calls Peter, he doesn't go... Hey, you got a real potty mouth. We've talked to your wife, and we're going to let you usher a few times, and then we'll see if you can work. No, he just calls him. What he sees is the guy who's going to be crucified upside down while his wife is raped. He's the end from the beginning. He's already got the end goal in mind. That's really, really important. That's why he tells you things to come. Worldview, again, defines where you're going. So, here's what's interesting about God. According to John 4, he is a spirit. So he's a spirit who creates a place to live in. God doesn't need a place to live, but he shows us where he's going to live, and he sets up his headquarters in heaven. Here's what Psalm says. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Where is God? In heaven. His eyes behold and his eyelids test the sons of men. Now, really, really important. We'll look at some characteristics of heaven. Number one, we just said it. God sets up his headquarters in heaven. God has a throne in heaven. If God has a throne, then he is a king. He is a king who sets up his kingdom in heaven. And here's what we know from the Bible. It's an eternal place, 
And under the righteous kingdom, no one's opinion matters except the king. God doesn't ask Paul, what do you think we should do on this part of the earth? Or this part of eternity? In the righteous king, all are whole. In, or in, in heaven, there's no ghetto. There's no, bar, there's no bad part of heaven. Everyone's got a man. It got real quiet there. I don't know what. I'm just telling you what it's. In heaven, everyone's prospering. In heaven, there's no worry, fear, or pain. In heaven, this is key, the future of the subjects is secure through the provision of the king. In heaven, there is no injustice, racism, sickness, disease, or destruction. In heaven, worship takes place 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then he speaks, this unseen God, who is a spirit, he is extremely intentional. 1 Samuel 2 verse 35 actually describes God as having a mind. I want to suggest to you, if he knew the day you were going to be born, he was not unintentional with the earth. This unseen God has it in his mind what he wants the earth to look like. And what he desires, the unseen realm defines the seen realm and it comes through the words out of his mouth. And he speaks, he speaks, he speaks, he speaks, he speaks. And then the crown jewel of his creation comes. Verse 26 of Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, over everything that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. We'll look at more characteristics here in a minute. But God was after what the kingdom of God looks like is a family. One of the reasons you see such an attack, especially in America, on gender roles is because it's the foundation of healthy society. You confuse those, everything's messed up. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And everything, every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice here that God is giving man the authority to tell the earth what to do. The earth does not tell man what to do. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields which seed is on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields uh, seed to it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the air, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given you every herb for food, and it was so. So let's look at uh, um, a few things about this. Image is uh, uh, a few characteristics from these verses. There's a lot more, but we'll just look at these. And, And I want you to keep in mind that when you are looking at these verses, everything that God intended for man in these verses, is still applicable to everyone in Christ. Actually, they're still applicable to humanity. And we know that the Bible is the only uh, book in the world that recognizes the dignity of individuals. Number one is image, is likeness, pattern, resemblance after. Something appeared like. Humanity was made completely perfect. Let's throw that out. There was no version 2.0 needed of Adam. 
There's no upgrade needed. You didn't have to go to the computer to get a better version. He was absolutely perfect in every way. Humanity was not created to have emotions of fear, work, wor- uh, worry, sickness, anything like that. He was not created to handle that. Why? Because he's living in a perfect world. We said already, humanity was created, we saw, to define the environment, not to respond to the environment. Image does not mean we are little gods, but the way the Lord showed me a number of years ago is this. I, was, uh, I grew up, uh, my dad grew up in Cuba. He escaped from Cuba in 1969. He, uh, I, I received a picture a number of years ago from my dad uh, on the farm he grew up in in Cuba. As a side note, nobody's trying to get into Cuba. They don't need a wall, even for their free health care, even for their free school. Nobody's trying to get in. That's amazing. But I looked at the picture, and I don't have a lot of things from my dad as a child or even as a teenager. And I go, oh, my gosh, that looks exactly like I did when I was that age. We are not God, but the closest thing to God on the earth is now man who's made perfect in the image of God and made to have eternal relationship with God. Second phrase in there, really important for verse 26. Over all the earth, 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 over all the earth. This is so key to learning It doesn't answer every question, but it helps us understand certain things about the world we live in. That is a defining phrase of what's going to happen in where we live right now. From that moment forward, God is going, you're my representative. Who's he putting putting in charge? Adam. Adam, you're my representative in the earth. You are over all the earth. Psalm adds to this. Psalm 8, verse 6, you have made him to have dominion. 8, verse 6, over the works of your hand. And this is even better. You have put all things under his feet. Psalm 115, the heavens, again, he emphasized this concept. The heavens, even the heavens, where? Are the Lord's. Don't touch heaven, it's God's. But the earth, the earth, the earth, the earth, the earth, if, God's in, if God is responsible for everything happening in the world, he is doing a bad job. And I want to tell you, God is not responsible for everything taking place in the earth right now. Verse 28, it gets better. And then God blessed them. The dream that God had for man was so beyond anything we could comprehend, even with our greatest prophetic word. What he was saying is, he said, everything about me, longevity, happiness, prosperity, blessed in the earth to do it. I'm releasing what is on me that is a characteristic of me. I'm releasing on you because your life is going to be really awesome. Verse 28, and God said to them, key verse, how is Adam understanding what God wants him to do through the voice of God? He is educated. First of all, he's qualified because he's made in the image of God. Some people think it might not even have been a voice, but the first, the first 
in tune thing that Adam knows to respond to is that voice. The voice of God, the voice of God, the voice of God. How do you know what to do? It also, when God's releasing those words, have dominion. It is in empowering him to do exactly what God called him to do. Final thing, verse 29. You see there that God said, I've given you every herb and yield seed which is on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yield seed to it shall be food. What does that mean? It means this. Part of the foundation of that relationship with God was Adam and Eve, eventually Eve, could trust God for everything they would ever need on the earth. Adam was not created to take care of himself. He wasn't smart enough. Everything that Adam needed could be found in God or on the earth. Adam is not looking at God and go, um, where am I going to live? Adam is not looking at God and go, how we create the light bill. Adam is put over all the earth to make, here's another thing. One of Adam's key positions is management of the earth. So he's a manager, but he also gets to discover things in the earth that God has already put there. The ability to create lights, the ability to create buildings, the ability to create things. Most beautiful, I don't know why I'm fascinated with building structures and stadiums. It's kind of odd. I'm going, to, I'm going to London in about four weeks, and I'm staying right by Wembley Stadium because I like seeing the stadium. Because you were made, there's a creative expression that was supposed, but none of those things were on the earth. Adam did have a job. The reason I say that is so many believers think job means judgment. <laughs> your job is not God's judgment over your life. No, I'm serious. Please, please. Stop this stuff that the world loves. I mean, I read so many people, this, oh, I can't wait, it's a weekend. Hey, you, can, you can always find something better to do. It's America. So the pattern, God establishes a pattern. Genesis 1, God speaks, God speaks, God speaks. Genesis 2, the, 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 the trees don't grow until Adam is put in that garden. God does not put Adam in a prayer room. Before he puts, he puts him in that garden, he puts him, he, he gives, what does he do? Day six, he's done. Day seven, he rests, not because he's tired, because his work is done, and now Adam's job begins. But a key part of that is this. I believe, I'm, I'm convinced, the reason he gives him the next day off is because he wants to teach him that I'm the source of all things. And what I'm giving you here is for you to receive. It's not anything that you've ever done, buddy. So a key part of connecting with God is the ability to receive. If you cannot receive, there's deliverance from a religious spirit available to you. I'm just not, no, stop that. The, the, the enemy, the enemy, he can talk like a religious spirit and convince people it's God. No, you're right. It's not on your own strength. It's all in him. 
I'm, I'm a very type A person. I do not do well with indecisive people. I'm just not sure. No, make a decision. Stop that. If, someone, if I go out to eat with someone, they're like, I don't know where to go. Okay, no problem. I'll choose. No problem. Well, I didn't like this. Well, you didn't choose. <laughs> I would have brought you anywhere you want to go, but since you got an issue. Nineteen, out of the ground. And this is a picture of life in the kingdom of God. Notice here again, God is the source of all things. Humanity is not the source, but now humanity is God's representative. The Lord formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the air, Excuse me, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helpable comparable to him. God's the source. Now, God brings the animals, and here comes Adam. God speaks, God speaks, and then the voice of Adam becomes the voice of God in the earth. I'm convinced those animals did not know the difference between God's voice and Adam's voice because Adam's voice became God's voice in the earth. Now, keep in mind, too, here, what kind of a mind is able to name all those animals? That is a brilliant mind in operation. Brilliance there. Notice, too, that Adam did not go to NC State to learn how to name animals. I don't even know what you call that. But he doesn't get a degree. I'm not speaking against degrees. I'm just saying that's not how Adam learned stuff. What qualified Adam? Be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion. Everything in here, you're in charge. But here, here, here's the beauty of it. You're in charge, but if you keep consulting me, the king, you'll get everything right. It'll become beautiful. Because you're in charge of the earth. I'm in heaven, but when I come to earth... I've made that garden look like heaven, but you get to extend heaven on earth. Genesis 3. We don't know if it's the next day, but here comes the devil in a form of a snake. Notice, too, that the devil needs some sort of way to operate in the earth. He comes in the form of an animal, and he challenges what God said. And notice he challenges something that they already were. You'll be like God. He knows if you eat that, you'll be like God. They were already like God. They listened to the wrong voice. Here's what's key there. God honors the choices of humanity, even though it's the most destructive thing. He is so committed to, to humanity take charge of the earth, he doesn't, he doesn't come down in physical form and go, Adam, what did I tell you about this? Sometimes the most loving thing when you're leading people is to let them make choices that you even know could be bad for them. That's hard on me because, again, I'm type A and I don't like to see people around me make bad decisions. And I go, I'm going to tell them right now, God, and go, you keep your mouth shut. So now, problem. 
Catch what's happened there. They're supposed to be governed by a voice. They listen to the wrong voice. That voice costs them and the earth. Also notice, when God, is, when God is building his kingdom on the earth, he's not looking one generation. Because he's not looking one generation, their choice cost every generation after them. The kingdom of God is not American in that way. Your choices actually matter. Stop this whole, well, that's just my little thing on the side. Nobody needs to get hurt. At the core, you, you hear this so often in our society. At the core, well, you know, in a free, you know if, they, if what they're doing doesn't disturb anyone, you know, we just, we're okay with it. Guarantee you, someone puts a pornography store next to this church, it is an unlocking and defiling of that land. Do you have authority over it? Yes, but you're opening a door that you don't need. system comes into the earth. Now, what's important to remember about this system is that it's cursed at its core. God cannot curse anyone because you're already cursed if you step out of his boundaries. He doesn't have a curse to give you. He has got no evil. He's got no destruction. The reason uh, when you step out of the boundaries of God, it releases a curse on you because you're operating a system that is cursed at its core. Really important. System comes into the earth. What's the first thing Adam does? And this is the worst thing about sin. It takes your dignity. And it doesn't just, it, like they just thought, oh, we'll just eat this tree and then you know, we'll kind of go back to, no, 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 no. When, 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 when we, when the enemy tries to get a little, like just, just a little, you know, you know, just a little piece, he's looking for the whole real estate. You don't want anything in hell. You really don't. I've seen people, little thing, and it takes their mind. And then you really need some deliverance. But then sometimes your mind is so gone, they don't even have a free choice anymore. Ooh, that's a lot of work. Is God's power greater? Yeah, but still got all work. But God's desire even though man makes a mistake, remains the same. The, a plan in heaven was already in motion before this earth was ever created. According to Revelation 13, 8, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Before this whole thing went the wrong way, and even in Genesis 3, what does he tell him? He goes, there's somebody going to come, Mr. Snake, devil, that's going to bruise your head. You think a woman started this? I'm going to have a woman give birth that's going to end your reign in the earth. God's never won up, ever. Ever, ever, ever. So now we have the Old Testament. He finds this man called Abram, later changes his name to Abraham. Abram means honored father. Abraham means the father of many nations. He's a, a type of Christ. I encourage you, as you read the Old Testament, you'll see everything points to Jesus. The judges about the righteousness of God. The law, the word of God, points to the beauty of Jesus. And here's what he said. 
The first, uh, when he, 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 notice, he's making a covenant. He makes a covenant between Abraham and him. And he says, Genesis 12, just picking up part of it, obviously can't do it full justice. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. But here's what he says in making covenant with him. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What's he saying to him? He's saying, I started with a man. Now, I'm going to make a covenant that's going to be forever. And I'm going to make it with you. I'm going to start with another. Notice, too, he doesn't pick the most perfect man. His wife laughs at God and then lies about it. But Hebrews 11 says later, she walked in faith. Apparently, once you step into faith, God forgets that stuff. That's a good God. She's remembered in the hall of fame of faith, and she's laughing at God when God told her stuff. He's making covenant with the man, and what you'll see here is what he intended, though. But he's making covenant with them to raise them up, to bless the earth. He's still after extending his rule on the earth. His desire didn't change. Exodus 19. Now, therefore, if you, here it is again. Here's this concept of the voice. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. Here it is, verse 6. And you shall be what? A kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. A holy nation. And these words which you shall speak to your children. So what does he do? He's, trying, he, he's, he's looking to create a nation of a kingdom of priests. What are priests? Worshippers of God. Worshippers of the one true God. Every other culture back then. Uh, uh, many gods. They believe in one God. And here comes the nation of Israel. What does he do? He gives them instruction on how to live every part of their life. Not to be funny. He even tells them what to do if they go back to the bathroom out there. Not because he, he didn't have anything else to say. He was trying to keep them clean. He said, hey, let me go out there, make sure, you know, put dirt over it. Why? Because I don't want any dick diseases on you. If you read some of the sanitary things, if, if they had followed it in this nation during the Civil War, it could have probably prevented a lot of deaths. Most of the deaths of the Civil War were caused because it was completely unsanitary. It's like, oh, you got, you're, you've been... Uh, You've been uh, beat, your, your, your arms all been shot up. We're going to cut it off. And then the next person would come up. They cut it the, uh, with a saw, with the same saw. Disease. What's God trying to tell them? I don't want you to have disease like the other nations. So he starts with Abraham. In 430 years, a people grow from a tribe of 70 people to more than 3 million. In 430 years, 300 years, though, they end up under an Egyptian, or the Egyptian pharaohs. And they're growing, and the reason they're growing is they're oppressed. Now, you'll notice something. God's people, chosen people, the Jews, are still being oppressed. That's interesting. But they can't be stopped. That's interesting. All my heart, I think he's still keeping covenant with people who have no idea who he is. That's how faithful God is. 
So when they're in Egypt, they're poor. They have no schools. They have no government. They have no economy. They have no land. They have no industry. They have no uh, religious system. And you want to think about the mentality of these people. They've been completely oppressed now. But God goes, I'm going to bring you out. And not only am I going to bring you out, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to make you real rich. And I'm going to make you real well. And so he gives them that law. Notice before they left, he gives them that law on how to operate in the earth. And then in one moment of time, they go from the most oppressed people in the earth. It's a picture of salvation. They were completely a victim of their situation. Here's what Psalm 105 says. And he brought them out. How are you the, more, the most poorest person in the world? The next day, you become one of the wealthiest. He brought them out with silver and gold. And what does he say? And there was no feeble among them. What's he doing? He is pointing back. It's not the, not the biggest completion of it, but he's pointing back to my original intention. You're in line with me. No sickness, no disease, prosperity, health, wholeness, are yours if you're mine. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above. What did he give Adam? Dominion. So he said, stay under me. I didn't choose you because you're amazing or have gifts. I chose you to display my kingdom in the earth. Above all peoples who are on the face of the earth. The divine purpose behind the Exodus was to fulfill the promise to Abraham and to make Israel a divine instrument to bless the nations. Israel was supposed to be a select nation whose purposes in part was to declare the will of Yahweh to other nations and to be a kingdom of priests and covenant people and a light to the nations. Within 430 years, he fulfills nearly every promise. Now, they weren't perfect, but during Solomon's time, the queen of Sheba comes and says this to him. Then she said to the king, it was true, this is uh, 1 Kings 10, it was true a report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, indeed, the half was not told. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame in which I heard. They're living out the covenant as God intended them to live out, but it was always pointing to a Messiah. We're, we have the blood of goats now, but there's coming a Messiah, and actually what we're living in now is just a down payment of what's to come. It's what happened to the worshiper David. Prophet, priest, king. What do I mean? What happens? He sees a time where there's not going to be a sacrifice of bull and goats anymore. That's why he sets up the tabernacle of David. He sets, it up, he sets it up because he saw into a time and he brought this prophetic picture of 24 hours a day, seven day a week worship unto God. But the law was always pointing 
it would, would always point to the King Jesus. It was insufficient. When you're trying to follow this thing, it wasn't that God was legalistic. It was just always going, hey, do what I'm telling you right now. But I'm telling you, there's coming a greater dimension in the earth. And what you'll notice, that when Jesus comes to earth, he does not come to establish a new religion. The extension of Judaism was to always supposed to be King Yeshua, Jesus is the fulfillment of what we're living now. And now there is a new covenant. Now this covenant is not just for us, but it is for all nations. In fact, Jesus says this. I did not come to do, Jesus could not oppose himself. If he came to, de, to, to oppose what God gave, God would be double-minded. He said, I came what? To fulfill the law. What did he do? He came and he went into the synagogues. He preached in the synagogues. He lived, what was he? He had to come from the Jewish people because he came out of them. If he wasn't a Jew, he wouldn't have lived the law. In fact, every one of the apostles of the Lamb, the original 12, all Jew, all continued to live as Yeshua, as a fulfillment of that. So Jesus came to restore the kingdom of God on the earth. Micah 5, verse 2, the one to be ruler in Israel. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 the famous prophecy about Jesus. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. What is government? Dominion, rule, or system in which a community is governed. What is the system he came? He came to abolish, or he came to destroy, uh, he came to rescue man from having to live in, in a fallen Babylonian system. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice. And from that time, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Here's what's interesting. In the Gospels, when, when the religious system inquire, it challenges Jesus, he says nothing. But when Pilate asks him, he goes, now we got two kings talking. Interesting stuff. And what does he say? Really important. Pilate therefore said to Jesus, are you a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly I am a king. And he tells us, for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. It also can be defined as God's way of doing things. The kingdom is good, mess, is good news. It's good news. So he came to Nazareth where he was been brought up, but as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up. This is Luke 14. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it's written. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Notice the pattern here. Jesus does not ever begin his public ministry until he is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Here's what's also interesting. John the Baptist's message was the kingdom of God. He said, change the way you think because the kingdom of God is at hand. His baptism was unto repentance. Here's what's interesting though. He's preaching a kingdom message and Jesus is baptized in that. Baptism was not new during that day. Baptism, when you were baptized by a teacher, you were submitting to their teaching. What's he saying? It's not about John the Baptist. It's about the message and the cause. I'm submitting to my Father in heaven to do the will of God upon the earth. What does he say? To fulfill all righteousness. This is right what I'm doing. Though I'm the king of the earth, I've come as a representative And now I am submitting myself to the headquarters, which is in heaven. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to claim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He also, as a historical back, there was one seat reserved in the synagogue for the Messiah. He sat in that seat. He did not die because of his miracles. He did not die even for what he taught. He died because he was about, they were about to lose the system that they loved more than God himself. If Jesus was the king... Our powers lost, and they loved their power because they were under Roman rule, and they made deals to keep their power. They made deals to, to, to kind of keep doing what they were doing, to keep the whole religious system, and they made their living off the risk. If he's the king, our whole religious system is about to crash. But also, Jesus came as the second Adam. This is really important. There's a reason we started with Adam. Because Jesus now is the model son. He is fully God, fully man, but he has has, uh, taken on, according to Philippians 2, the limits of humanity. He He chooses to live within the limits of humanity. You want to talk about humility? Come on. Our king comes as one of the created ones. We're still arguing over, anyway. Jesus, the son of man, live completely sinless. God's desire for Adam was to be completely sinless. Jesus, we'll see in a minute, was governed by the word of God. Adam was supposed to be governed by the word of God. Two distinctions you'll see. First time in human history, now the temple is in a man. He comes in Jesus, and the God, God actually improves upon perfection. You want to talk beyond genius level? Talk about God. He's a temple of God. And the other thing only God could do was resurrect him from the dead. But he had to die as a perfect sacrifice. How? 
How God related to Jesus, the Son of Man, is how God wants to relate to humanity in Christ. It's important. Every time you see Jesus, you will see what is available to you. How do you know it was possible for Adam to walk on the water? Because Jesus walked on the water. That gets quiet when you say that. It's just true. It's in the Bible. Here's how Paul put it. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first roots. That's important. The concept of first roots in the Bible that derives from creation is created that God creates all things and all things exist because of him. But it is also the first of what he intended. Paul teaches that Christ in his bodily resurrection is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Thus, he is guaranteeing all those who belong to him will be raised from the dead, but can also live like him. As he is, not as how he was. So are we in this world. For as in Adam, all all die. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. But each one in his order, Christ the firstfruits. What's he doing? He brings Jesus to earth not to meet every need of humanity, but to show forth what he wanted us, his sons and daughters, to do. Why did he only come for three years? He only needed three years. Each one in this order, Christ, and afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. So here's some concepts of the kingdom that are really, 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 really important. First one is this. The kingdom of God demands complete surrender. The kingdom of God com- de- demands complete surrender. There's only one way into the kingdom. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's really important in our culture because many people and a religious system has been created that you add Jesus to your life. You can't add Jesus to your life and live as God intended you to live. Now, you might might get some results because the word always works. I know criminals who tithe because it works. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. But the kingdom of God demands complete surrender. There's no, I have a friend, he's a brilliant man. He's talking to me in April about something I'm still trying to figure out. But, uh, serious, he's really smart. He starts talking and I go, I'm like stuck back there. He was, he he was at, he's at Berkeley. He's in California, grew up a Catholic. And, these guys in school were telling him about Jesus. And he thought anyone who's a believer, they, they got to be really dumb to believe this stuff. But here's what happens. When somebody tells you the gospel, <laughs> so he starts going, he, he told me this. He said, I sat in my dorm room bed and I said, God, I want to serve you, but I don't want to be dumb. He said, I heard, I'm telling you, God will respond to a sincere heart. He said, 
no deal. He said, I heard it right here. I don't know if it's audible. He goes, no deal. You don't choose how this thing works. There is no demilitarized zone. I, 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 I'd never done this before. I did a Facebook Live today. Someone like, well, what do you think? How does a homosexual, you know, can a homosexual find community in the kingdom? I said, everyone is welcome to the throne of God. Everyone's welcome. Come as you are. Come with all your issues. Come as you are. You don't got to clean yourself up. However, you come in. That's why he calls it a narrow road. It's what Jesus said. I, don't, I didn't make this up. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. The only manner from deliverance from a cursed Babylonian system is complete surrender. Your greatest life is hidden in surrender. I'm telling you, the door to the unseen journey into doing in the impossible is hidden behind that. Here's what's interesting. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He has full capabilities to choose as Adam got to choose. But here's what he says. Jesus answered, what I'm saying to you is, I'm going to show you characteristics of the kingdom, but I'm also going to show you, you hopefully show you to him in the life of Jesus. Most, Jesus, in, in Matthew 26, you don't have to turn there, he says, when he's, when he's about to go to the cross, he goes, not my will, but as you will. So it teaches us he had a will. In fact, he tells him, I could have called angels to come and help me here. Could have been all game over. But I'm exercising restraint. Because there's a mission that I've come here for. And here's what he says. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. Wait, wait, no, no. You just told us you could do, you, you have a will and you could have, you'd have called angels. What's he doing? He is teaching us about how we're supposed to function in the kingdom. I'm all yours. Your will is now my will. I have no opinions about what I think is right on the earth. I only can see this kingdom work that I've called to do, and I will only do what God tells me to do. That's why he prays. He prays all night before he picks his disciples. Heard people jokingly say, I, I'm just serious, they joke, well, well you know, just, just find a nice Christian girl and marry her. Yeah, that might, might be why we have so many problems here. Totally different value systems. And you can't fulfill fully what God called you to fulfill. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. And I love this. The father loves the son and shows him all he, he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Second point. Human choice and God's faith grant humanity entrance into the kingdom. This kingdom's so beautiful, and he knew you were so messed up, me messed up, you can't get in without his help, so he goes, let me help you, I'm going to give you this measure called faith. 
Now you have to choose, but I'm going to help you giving you this thing called faith of complete trust in me. That's a key point to remember. Everything that God has asked you to do, he has given you the power to do. He will, he, will never empower, he will never ask you to do something that there's not power to do. Ah, oh, this will be kind of hard. No, no, what's hard is not doing what he asked you to do. We have to get delivered to this whole, it's, you know, you know there, is a, there is a surrender, but there's a joy in the surrender and there's empowerment surrender. And what's really hard is not doing what he asked you to do. That is really hard. What's really hard is to live for the devil and have a hangover. What's really hard is go through a divorce that God never intended. You have to pay alimony the rest of your life. What's really, it's really hard to serve yourself. Because you weren't created to take care of yourself. That's what's really hard. What's really hard is to sit here week, I don't know say, week after week, and, and you know you should tithe, but you're still trying to figure out how to make it without God. So you go, eh, I'm not going to do it. That's hard. Just surrender. Oh, now he's talking. No, no, I'm talking about your affections. God's demand upon humanity is always dependent upon God's empowering of humanity. Keep that in mind. God's demand upon humanity is always dependent upon God's empowering of humanity. For by grace, you've been saved. Not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, least anyone should boast. Here's where it starts getting really good. A supernatural divine exchange takes place to the individual who completely surrenders. Our entrance into the kingdom, not based upon our own strength, defines how we live in the kingdom. The foundation of sons and daughters in relating to God is this. Keep this in mind. Our identity, who we are, we'll touch on that in a minute. God's faith in us and our understanding of the nature of God. Our underst- See, you won't trust a God that you don't know. So what do you got to renew yourself to? His goodness. Anytime he asks me to do this, it's out of his goodness, his kindness towards me. Don't do that. Don't do, don't do that. Why? Not because not I want to withhold anything from you, but that's not going to be healthy for you. That's going to end in destruction for you. That's going to end in heartache for you. That's not my best. I've had the Lord tell me. I said, I'd like to do that. There's, and he goes, you can do it, and I'll bless it. But it's not my best for you. He really wants to take care of you. But just like Adam, he can't force you. He didn't force Jesus, he won't force you. He honors the choices of people. When humanity enters the kingdom of God, they're giving elevated status of kingdom citizens. Humanity's spirit is born again, and they're made completely righteous before God. Oh, now I'm spitting, now this is getting good. Jesus is now our identity. Notice too, you never have Jesus going, I'm a little depressed today. You don't have one instance of Jesus going to the hospital. He's on the earth, but he's living from a different realm.
Jesus was never sick because he was a kingdom citizen. Jesus was never depressed because he was a kingdom citizen. Jesus never allowed worry to define him. Jesus was never broke because he was a kingdom citizen. Abundant life is the portion of the citizen of the kingdom. An incomplete surrender, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit take complete responsibility for your life. They can't take responsibility for people outside the kingdom because they're living in the wrong system. That's why he said, the wrath of God is being revealed against the sons of disobedience. Why? Not because God is judging them. They're judged because they're in a cursed system. That system is already cursed before the foundation of the world. It will not work. Everything you needed, God has provided for you before the foundation of the world. Here's what Jesus said, John 10.30. I and my Father are one. Here's what Jesus said. But he has joined us unto, but he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Jesus goes, I and my Father are one. Then he goes, how many are in Christ? You're in Christ tonight? You're one spirit with him. Here's the divine exchange. Come as you are. Come with all your issues. Come with all whatever you had, whatever victimhood you had, whoever oppressed you, your mama didn't love you, this didn't love you, the boss oppressed you, you could never get ahead. Come as you are. You're mad at the world. You're mad at everyone. You have no family. You stand here. I'm yours. I'm completely yours. But here's the chat. We'll uh, talk about this in a minute. I'm yours. Come. You come in, you're immediately righteous. You're immediately whole. And now heaven is open to you. Ephesians 1, verse 10. In the dispensation of the fullness of time, Jesus came that he make, he make heaven and earth as one. He gives you access to this eternal realm called the kingdom of God. That's why he makes you righteous. Where's the throne of God? In heaven. But he says, you can come boldly before the throne of grace that you will find mercy in what? The time of need. You make a mistake. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I've made a mistake. Oh, you're good. The blood of Jesus now cleanses you. Now, track on with me. But all the resources of heaven are now yours. Paul says you are now seated with Christ in heavenly places, what? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. What did Jesus model for us? Here's what Jesus modeled for us. Look at John, the third chapter. Everyone still with me? I know I've gone a while. Okay, if, if one person will say they're still with me, I will keep going. <laughs> Well, actually, I was going to keep going. I shouldn't have lied to you. Sorry, I don't, I don't normally lie. John, the third chapter. Look at verse 10. Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? He's just told Nicodemus, and by the way, this is the only reference to being born again in Scripture. Interesting. Now, it's possible that Jesus preached, you must be born again. The gospel just doesn't record it. 
But the gospel does record that he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Interesting stuff. Are you a teacher of Israel? Do not know these things. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know, and we testify of what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Sounds kind of weird. He says we, but only Jesus is standing in front of him. What is he doing? He's representing the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why he's saying we. I find myself saying that sometimes when people give you weird looks. I said, you can't see them, but they're all around. You think I'm joking? They are. You're fully, that's why I say, how, how are you, how is Psalm 91 yours? You got to go to work, you got to go, you're in the secret place. You're one with God. If I have told you earthly things and do not believe, he, notice what he's telling him. He said, he's telling him, you got to be born again to get in the kingdom of God, man. And the guy's like, what in the world? He's using a natural, how am I going to go get born again? Supernatural reality. I'm emphasizing your entrance into the kingdom is completely supernatural. Your life in the kingdom is supernatural. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Keep part there. No one has ascended into heaven, but he that came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Wait, wait, wait. Help me out here. This is intellectually challenging to me. Because Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and he goes, No one has ascended except he that descended, which is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Jesus you're saying you're in heaven, but you're standing on the earth. How is that possible? I'm connected with headquarters in heaven. And I'm seeing every one of my challenges through the lens of what heaven sees it. And I'm also hearing the voice of God. And when I'm hearing the voice of God, that voice that he tells me to speak creates the realities God intended before the very foundation of the world. Elevated status. That's why you see Jesus is not overcome with the pressure that comes his way, even though there was probably, he, you imagine, he says, I only do what I see my father doing in heaven and his natural mother shows up and he keeps teaching like she's not even there. He is not even giving into family pressure that would take away from his purpose in that moment. He is not moved by the soul. He's moved by God. Lazarus, your friend, is dying. I'm staying. Then he goes, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. I'm convinced that Jesus, if he was an American pastor, some churches would try and vote him out. Well, nobody's ever walked on water, and Peter walked on water. And you see how Jesus treated him? He was kind of mean to him. I mean, he could be a little more loving. (laughs) 
He elevates you to this place where he wants to teach you his perspective on reality in every way. And what is the focus of his teaching? His focus of his teaching is on the lost mind of man. He's going back to their belief system. He's not introducing them to a religion. He's introducing them to a kingdom that was supposed to govern the world. He did not come to establish another religion. See, that's where it gets real quiet. Because I, I used to, honestly, I used to think, I used to think this could not be so. But now I've come to the conclusion that some people prefer a form of God and not the real thing. They are comfortable sitting week after week, listening to messages, and if their kids get born again, if the pastor can, 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 can uh, marry their kids, and you know, we're good, brother. And it's not always the fault of the people, it's the fault of some of the leadership who creates environments where that is acceptable. I know people, I, I just, I, I couldn't say that because some people would be really upset. And the moment we cease to follow the present voice of God is the moment we become candidates for a religious system that God has nothing to do with. Are you a kingdom Christian or do you like a form of godliness but deny his power? You know, and I used to think people wouldn't say it. But no, they actually tell pastors that. I got a wonderful friend. I talked to him today in California. He's had people come to him. He's an amazing man of God. <laughs> you think I talk long? He goes a long time. <laughs> and he just says, if you're done, you can go ahead and go. But you know what? The people in his church are powerful people. They know how to lay hands on the sick. They don't need to call them anytime some sickness comes in their house. They know the voice of God. They know how to minister people in the marketplace. They view their, their jobs as their ministry. He's had people tell him, sad, take no pleasure. They said, uh, Ken, we love you. You're a great man. But we don't want to come to your church. Or, or we're, we're going to a different place because when we come to your church, we feel convicted that we don't read the Bible enough. <laughs> and that we don't pray. And we're not willing to change. So we're going to go somewhere else. And they're going to go somewhere else that gives them a message they like. Sad. Because we're creating systems that God never intended. So he elevates your status and he puts you into the place he could always have 100% favor and approval for you. He restores the blessing of the Lord to your life. Where does he put you? He puts you into Christ. How is Jesus interceding on your behalf but you're in Christ? Because you are actually seated in heavenly places, but you're on the earth. And all the hosts of heaven take 100% responsibility for you. 
and there are angels that move on your behalf when you speak what God is saying. That's why you can call things, be not as though they are, because the future begins as a seed in your heart and begins to, first it goes in your heart, then it comes out of your mouth, and you might not see it that day, but there's things that Jesus spoke that didn't happen right away, but they eventually happened because it was the Word of God. So he gives you a new identity to live in a new system. It's really, really important. Another part of this aspect is, this is beautiful. Everything's on the table when you're in Christ. I, I read this quote a number of weeks ago from Calvin. He goes, everything's stupidity till we come into Christ. This is important. You need the voice of the Lord to raise your kids. Because every one of your kids is different. Don't, I'm just going to say it. As someone who has three degrees, probably going to get a fourth. Don't believe that lie that they all need to go to college. That's a lie of the world system. Is education important? But it might not be the path that God has for your kid. Find out when that child is conceived. Start prophesying over them. Start raising them how God intended you to raise them. Here's another part. The local church is the local governing body that's supposed to teach and equip you for the kingdom of God. It is God's choice in the earth. Remember, your behavior defines where your heart is. Nothing wrong to miss a Sunday if you, got, you want to, you know, on vacation, things like that. But don't say, yeah, we, we're raising our kids in church and you're here every three weeks. I've had to, I'm not joking, I've had to walk parents to say, my kid's not following the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will stop me. He said, tell them they need to repent for not putting God first. And then we can start. One of the greatest things I can say about my parents is this. They're not perfect, but I can never tell them you didn't put God first. You know, some people say a question, a dumb question. It was a question that wasn't even asked. Are we going to church? Are we going to church, you dumb boy? <laughs> It never even, it never crossed my mind that we wouldn't go to church. We went to church on vacation. My dad got real excited because we could visit somewhere. <laughs> I'm serious. Amen. The real question for us is, how many services are we going to on Sunday? <laughs> that was the real question. I'm serious. And when church was done, they didn't just stop it. I remember for years, because this man had no family, my dad would go every time after church to visit this older man. And I always remember he'd bring him a, a, a chocolate bar, because he liked chocolate. It taught me that my life was not all about me and my own needs. So how do we begin to walk on, well, let me just say this, all of humanity comes to earth with a purpose and assignment. We discover our assignment through divine positioning. Our fellowship with God is a foundation for understanding our assignment and having a life of vision. 
Jesus came to earth with the purpose of, excuse me, Adam came to earth with the purpose of being God's representative to manage the earth. Jesus came to earth to reintroduce humanity to the kingdom of God. He says this, for this cause I was born. For this cause I was born. This is also really important. The world lives in deficit and nations suffer when the body of Christ does not understand its purpose. Remember, God's not in charge of everything. He has this idea that he's in charge of the church and he's in charge of this kingdom and the kingdom is supposed to be his legislating body upon the earth. And we cannot afford ignorance anymore. Ignorance has cost us in America. A misunderstanding of how to relate to the world has cost the church in America. Do you know when uh, the, the abortion came case up, most of the church in America, 1977, Roe v. Wade, most of the church said, that's not our problem. Our problem, our, we're supposed to just take care of the spiritual needs of people. And they bought that lie that we hear so often. You can't legislate morality, brother, your mama. Morality is legislated every day in America. You try and stop somebody, you try and stop somebody do, committing an abortion, you know what they'll tell you? Sir, this is the law of the land. You've just legislated demonic morality. There was no voice of the church. True story. Absolute true story. There was a time when Hollywood wrote letters to Christian college presidents. And they said, send us your best and brightest. We want them to help create media come out of Hollywood. Wrong understanding. They said, we'd rather our kids go to hell than serve you. So Hollywood went to hell. And here's the thing. I'm not talking about just fighting from the realm of the soul. But the enemy is increasingly bold about who it is. Reading this article, it's telling Pastor Alison, reading this article, Roman Catholic priest handing stuff to the Pope, telling him, This is from the gay people in my city. They're bold, they're courageous, and they also understand strategy. One of the key strategies, I'm, I'm talking, not talking about individual homosexuals, I'm talking about the homosexual movement. If you would have said 20 years ago, it would be okay. Or you couldn't say certain things that you can't in our society. Without, and the, the world has dominated the agenda of how things are discussed in this world. What is the first thing a pastor says when he talks about, well, you know, we, we love everyone. Who said you didn't love everyone? Because they have charged, if you say that marriage is between a man and a woman, you're hateful. So they've defined the agenda. When they began, they used their resources and they said, how do we change America? We'll, we'll change it slowly. We'll begin to change the language. We'll begin to put these things in media. We'll put seeds in people that this is okay. How does the kingdom of God work? He says, the kingdom of God works like this. Put a little leaven in there. Start changing the minds of people. They use kingdom strategies to change culture in America. And the church sat back having church services. 
Here's what's really interesting. Jesus' entire teaching and training of his disciples was for life on earth. I'm sorry to tell you this, but Jesus never taught a lesson that we can read about in Scripture to his disciples on when we all get to heaven. The kingdom, yes, let me say this too. The kingdom is here and now and is not yet. But the life he taught them about was life of functioning in the kingdom of God here and now. He, he, he makes this really interesting statement. He goes, there's some of you standing here who will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God come in power. And all of them go, they're not going to die. They'd already seen the What's he saying? He said, the kingdom's now, man. The power of God is here now. Take the keys of the kingdom. Here's what's really interesting. This, this is why that first part is so important. You can't transform the world if we're trying to get our needs by it. And here's the other thing is, we can't try to become famous just because we have a few miracles. We have to get delivered of, a plat, of, of trying to get our needs met by a platform or anything like that. It's about serving a beautiful king. And because we serve a king, here's also what's really important, the development of your character. Your char- your, your, the gifts and the power of God can only be contained in the, in the well that you're carrying it in. And Lord, this is my prayer, raise up not just righteous people, but people of no compromise. Raise up, right? You know, you know what I've learned this? If anyone ever approaches you to, to suggest something in morality, you've already lost the battle. You should say, you should, everybody should know you're, I'm not talking about being rude or anything like that or, you know, weird, you know, you, but, but you, you, you should wear your, I mean, I mean, I, I'm on planes all the time and most of the flight attendants who are male are different. Just leave it there. And they are not ashamed of being different. Honey, welcome aboard. I'm just saying, most of them are, and they are not ashamed of it. They are very vocal about it. We're going to take care of you, sir. (laughs) I know in my breath, I said, the devil's a liar. (laughs) Why? Because you feel that spirit that's controlling them, that principle, and you feel that spirit of control, especially you sit in a business class, because why? It's a spirit of control and witchcraft. Am I mad at the person? No, but I'm not going to let that spirit override me. So the development of your character is what carries the gift. It's so important because we can't change the world if we're trying to get our needs met. We can't serve the world properly when we don't understand this in proper context. I'm so concerned that I don't want to raise up a generation. We'll, tomorrow we'll get more. To, uh, great, you do miracles. Got to understand why you're doing them. I love this. Joseph feared the Lord and served Pharaoh and saved the nation. What are we doing in the kingdom? We're serving people. We're serving humanity. 
Daniel feared God and served the world well. This is the posture of an excellent spirit. And notice in Daniel 1, they come, and most people think they're teenagers. How did they know not to compromise? Their mama and their father taught them, when you go there, you don't touch that stuff. And they go, we will not defile ourselves, and God will elevate us. Don't, all this stuff. The world has gotten, has educated the church. I'm serious. Oh, make it, make it all dark so people get used to their darkness when they come to church. <laughs> you know, surveys show people feel real comfortable. Well, I don't want them to feel comfortable in darkness. Isn't it interesting? We create environments now where people are comfortable. I want everyone to be loved, absolutely love. But Jesus cast demons out, and now we want people to be comfortable in their demons. Blessed is the man who sits not in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm just telling you, if you're in business here today and you're thinking of working with a man who is not born again, it is contrary to your value system. And if it's not contrary to your value system, read the word of God. But we got, you know, we got to do this like this. No, 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 no. Who said you got to do anything? Well, you know, they brought the Bible. And I'm not saying have a prayer meeting. You bring the Bible in there, you start praying if you're a public school teacher. Christ in you. The purpose of supernatural power, dominion, favor, and influence is to serve the world well. The purpose of serving the world well, well is to display to them a superior King in a superior way. Think about the propaganda that exists now, even in the body of Christ. The church taught for so long it was good to be poor, except most of the people preaching that were not poor. So what happened? See, when the world, when the when the body of Christ thinks deficiently, the world will agree with them. And so the world agreed with him, and so what they said was, we're going we're gonna to make it a lot of money to get on TV, and you're supposed to be poor. Propaganda. So they make it difficult on a pastor to even pay his light bill when he should be using the media to go forth into the world, to go forth and do that. We can't afford ignorance anymore. Here's what he says. This is why it's so important to discover. What I mean, everything's got to come on the table. Your job, your career, where you live. You are now under kingdom orders. Right. You are now, and, and it doesn't mean you get it right all the time, but you, you say, everything's on, my kids are yours. The greatest thing I ever heard my mom say, God, my son's yours. Make him miserable. I'm sure she, 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 she hadn't the love thing yet. Make him miserable till he serves you, God. I don't care what he does, Lord, but let him serve you all the days of his life. And she wouldn't back down. I'd walk out of the house to go do something bad. She goes, are you going to sin? There's no compromise. You try and sin when your mom's praying. It's hard. Thank God it was hard. I'd be offered things, and I'd see my mom. 
Not Jesus. I saw my mom. She was God's representative. No, you think I'm joking? She was. She refused to have a child in her house that wouldn't serve God. She took it seriously, her responsibility. My parents were not my friends. No, I'm serious. They were my, I love my parents with all my heart. Well, he just won't understand. No, he'll understand it one day. And he'll thank God every day that you do what you do. Well, he's just upset at me. Who's running the house? Because your purpose to be a blessing to the world is hidden in your assignment. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, thank you, Lord. I, I, I think I'm going to finish here and we'll pick up tomorrow. Thank you for being hungry. Our individual purpose is, to not, is not to meet all the world's needs, but rather to meet the world's needs in our sphere of influence. It's really important. The enemy is okay with religious activity. And I'm not talking about not serving. If you're connected to a body, serve there with all your heart. You know, don't, you know, get delivered to this weird thing that we have with charismatics. It's only, I've never talked, you ever, you ever notice that? I never talk to a Methodist. They go, I go, where do, you, where do you fellowship? Where's your community? Who's your pastor? And they go, well, brother, I go, I go one here, one place here on Sunday. No, you only hear it with charismatics. We spiritualize our dysfunction. No, I'm serious. I realize there have been leaders who've abused people and, and did things. All this stuff. I'm sorry if you've experienced that. It doesn't take the power of the local church that God is building away from your life. And for every bad leader, there are hundreds of people who love God, they're not perfect. But they love God, they love you, and they want to equip you with the word of God. They really are. Don't do that thing. Well, you know, brother, I just pray, and the Lord shows me where to go. That's, that's weird. I'm sorry, that's weird. It's coming out of a, 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 a wound or something. Something's not right there. My name is Suarez. I don't wake up on Sunday and go, I wonder if I'm a Suarez today. <laughs> You're supposed to connect with a place. Might be long term, might be for the rest of your life, might be a first season. Here's one thing the Lord has really emphasized. We will not understand certain things without other people explaining to them about our life. I'm serious. Really serious. A man who is allowing his, sin, his, his, his sons to commit immorality in the temple of God explains to one of the greatest prophets that ever lived that God was speaking to him. That's how much God invests in leadership. 
The disciples do not understand their destiny until they get around the greatest leader that ever lived. Oh, brother, we're all the church. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to finish with this. Tell the story here. I told it before, but I'm fascinated with this man's life. There's a man, probably many know him, George Washington Carver. Carver is a chemist, experimenter, developed new products derived from peanuts, sweet potatoes, soybeans, and he helped revolutionize the agricultural economy of the South. Have you noticed that Joseph's dream isn't fulfilled until he serves an evil Pharaoh? Your dream is connected with making the world a better place. That's why you always got to keep in mind you're serving people. This is, this is what I love. He prayed one day for God to reveal him the secrets of the universe. He told him that his friends replied, little man, you're too small to grasp the secrets of the universe, but I will show you the secret of the peanut. Carver's job was not to meet all the world's needs, just to figure out what that peanut was. And he revolutionized a whole economy. He was representing a different world. That's what he says. Never since have I been without the consciousness of the Creator speaking to me. The out of doors has been more and more to me a great cathedral in which God could continuously be spoken and heard from. Here's the other good part. Came out of slavery. I'm here to tell you, racism still exists in America, but it can't stop you if you're a kingdom citizen. No victims in the kingdom of God. Why? Why is racism? Because there's people in this world. But if you're in the kingdom of God, there are no victims. And let me tell you this. The world, we'll expand on this tomorrow. The world is not looking for God's solutions to their problem. Actually, they are, but they don't really know it. But if you can bring a solution To that situation, they'll become Pentecostal. (laughs) They'll let you put oil all over their office. They don't care what you do. You blow the shofar. No, I'm serious. You bring the flags, do your sword thing. If you got an answer that can get their kids off drugs. Now, if all you got is a shout, but no manifestation, get behind me, Satan. A 
hundreds of ideas came from this one man. He said, I don't bring any textbooks into my workshop. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying he was really trying to dial in to what God had to tell him. Here's something that we'll talk about more tomorrow. Sometimes what you know about certain things can be a hindrance to receiving the life that God intends for you to live in certain areas. Well, I'm doing well in business. What do I need God for? Here's what I come to conclude. There's a lot more ahead, but I think we're just about done. Come to conclude that we come into the kingdom by surrender, and actually, your born-again spirit has been created to receive everything that God would ever have to speak to you. But what happens is, is there's still that restoration of our mind that we need. Isn't it amazing? All this talk about mental health. You want to see these interviews with some of these young people who do these things? Not even young people. Sometimes they'll say, I, I, I like re real crime. I just, I don't know why I read stories about it. They'll often say, it was like something else came on me that made me do it. What they say about Saul? It's like the spirit of the prophets gone on him. It's what God's supposed to do in the earth in the, earth in the opposite direction. Interesting, isn't it? What I've come to know is you surrender to get into the kingdom. And then if you really want to walk this thing out, you have to surrender over and over and over and over. And the greatest thing you can do is write it down, because I do it almost every week. And you start getting delivered of wrong thought processes. That's why it says... I am the vine... And you are the branches. That's why I said the word of God is like a seed. Because it doesn't change overnight, but you keep feeding yourself on that word. And what? It produces the fruits of the Spirit. They become the containers for the power and authority that God wants to give you. Because He wants to entrust you with power that you can't even imagine. But a key part of this process I've also learned is this. It goes back to Genesis 1. We have to manage well. And what I've realized sometimes is sometimes I was actually praying prayers that I hadn't managed sufficiently enough to handle. So now it's changed my prayer life. Have I... Am I 
shifting my mindset and am I managing well what's in front of me so I can receive an increase? Because you're living from a different place, and this is what Jesus promised. And I will utter things hidden before the foundation of the earth. What's he trying to tell you? I'm trying to give you understanding that runs this world to elevate you in your sphere of influence, but also to elevate the name of Jesus. And you have no idea what God does with a surrendered life. What did that, 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 that guy, he was just in the White House, happened, but President Trump talked about him in the, uh, the State of the Union. He saved, saved the, the, the kid. He says, I heard the voice of God. Can you imagine that? President of the United States saying, some guy heard the voice of God. You used to say 20 years ago you heard the voice of God. Some people, they want to put you away. It's a prophetic sign to me. Kind of talking about bigger picture. I'll give you one little picture, something I've been thinking about. See, when you're in love, you'll talk about the one you love. tell you a story. My dad came to America, 1969. He had an encounter with God on the way into the U.S. He, he actually said, if there's a real God, see, God always meets the sincere heart. God, if there's a God, I need to know you. And he has this encounter with God. He probably spiritually gets born again that time, but he doesn't know what's happened. He said, I felt the power of God in that moment. Now he's searching for God. He grew up Catholic. They told him, you don't go to anyone else's church. In this job training program, teach him how to become a machinist. My dad's name was Angel. This man's name was Angel. My dad still laughs today because he said, I have no idea, Abner, why Angel was in there because he couldn't understand anything that was happening. I know why he was there. My dad says, because he was Catholic, he's, he said, I had like all the candles and all that stuff. <laughs> he's looking for God. Everything humanity's ever wanted is in the kingdom of God. Angel says to him, Angel, come to my church. You need to come to my church. One little thing of obedience. He says, no, I don't go to Catholic. I don't go to other people's churches. I go to Catholic church. Catholic. Keeps talking to him. Gives him the book of uh, the, the gospel of John to read. Starts reading the Bible. Finally, after he asked him over and over again, comes to church. He goes to church on a Saturday. It's interesting. He goes and they have a wedding. Now my dad is very confused in this wedding. Because they are classic Pentecostals and there's no alcohol in this wedding. And he said, these people are nuts. How can you have a wedding and no alcohol? <laughs> I'm serious. He thought they were nuts. Peculiar people. The man says to him, we don't have service today, but tomorrow we have service. My dad said, thinking to myself, thinking to himself, nope. Told him I'd come once. I came. 
He's, he's always taught me to be a man of his word, so I came. Next morning, he says, I just happened to wake up in time to go to church. He didn't just go to church, he went to Sunday school. And while he's in Sunday school, the pastor keeps saying, see how all this is connected. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Thank God there was a pastor who was being led by the Holy Spirit. He said, there's somebody here, you need to get born again today. Today's your day. I don't know who this is, but God, somebody's got to get saved. My dad goes, that's not me. Going to service, the pastor preaches. And wouldn't you know, he said, it was like the man was preaching towards me my whole life. The end of the service, he says, hmm, this is a good one. He didn't tell me to fill out a card. If you'd like to get born again, fill out a card. They were Pentecostal. They ain't no filling out a card. Some of you got what I just said. But during the whole sermon, he goes, somebody needs to get born again. Today's your day to get born again. And my dad was thinking, don't raise your hand. He said, the next thing I knew, my hand was raised. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was walking down the aisle. He goes, then I was really convinced these people are nuts. Because now they're all calling me brother and sister. He said, they're nuts. This is what they said. I said, Angel, welcome to the family of God. My dad's thinking, you're not my family. No, my family's in Cuba. They're Pentecostal. They went to church at least six days a week. Tomorrow night is men's meeting. Starts at 7 o'clock. And just because it was men's meeting, Spanish Pentecostal church, doesn't mean no one else came. Just mean the men ran the service. <laughs> see you tomorrow at 7. Tuesday is youth group. We'll see you Tuesday at 7.30. <laughs> Wednesday is prayer and fasting. So you won't be eating anything until 4.30. <laughs> and he said, God, these people are nuts. But if I need to be there, Show me that this is the right way. And he said, God said, this is the right way. What happened? A man who cared about a young boy who came from Cuba at 21, cared enough to say, come to church. A pastor who cared enough about the Spirit of God listened to the Spirit of God. A people you can call it legalism, whatever you want. You know, my friend Ken just told you about something 40 years in ministry. When he got born again at his church in Bakersfield, they introduced him to one of the elders. And he said, this man is going to uh, disciple you now. He's going to take care of you now. He's going to be like a spiritual father to you. And Ken at the time was running a landscaping business, and this man said to him, Meet me here Wednesday at 4.30. He said, well, I run a business and I, and I just can't make it. He goes, well, that will be a good day to finish early. <laughs> he didn't give him no choice. And he goes, Abner, it was kind of hard, but it was the greatest thing somebody ever did for me. And within three weeks, the man said, how much money you make, Ken? And he kind of listed off. He goes, okay, this is what tithing is. And since you make a good amount of money, you need to give a whole lot more than that. 
He didn't ask him. He said, just, just let the Lord lead you. He says, when the, he goes, the man taught me. Love God. Have a fellowship with God. Stay unoffended. Learn to be a giver. And you'll be on your way to serving God. Can lead the network of churches all over the world. You can YouTube some of the dreams he's had that came to pass about this nation. Somebody cared about him. Somebody cared about my dad. And God's thinking multi-generationally. He's going, got to get this guy born again. Going to meet this little Puerto Rican lady. Oh, she's feisty, grew up a pastor's kid. They're going to meet in church and fall in love. They're going to have some kids. Oh, it's going to be a good day when that's, that son is born. Because before the foundation of the world, I'm going to raise him in a godly home. My dad, the day he went home, that Sunday, never had beer or drank ever again from that day. I never saw alcohol in my home. I have no knowledge of certain things about this world. I have knowledge of other things that I've gotten delivered of and I'm completely righteous, but not because my parents didn't teach me. Sometimes the supernatural is as simple as just saying to somebody next to you, this is who Jesus is. Because you're planting the seeds for generational shift. The power of God can come upon every aspect of your life. He's there to help you. But the posturing of your heart has to be, not my will, but your will. I am closing now. Walter, good to see you tonight. I'll tell you this one story. Walter, it was February, right? Raleigh, right? Not too far from here. We're at a church in Raleigh. Saturday afternoon, I was teaching. It was Saturday afternoon, right? Oh, it was a Friday night. Walter, how, how, how close are you to finishing your PhD? Well, I have just submitted my first three chapters of my proposal for the Dark Pit for succession. That's wonderful. And how long have you been working on this? Yeah, so, so Friday night, we're just, I don't know, at the end of the meeting, I was just kind of praying over the people. I saw, because it's the unseen world that defines the seen world. I saw, in a vision in my mind, I saw this angel being assigned to him. You can correct me any part. I think I got this all right. And what I remember telling you is this. I said, this angel's been assigned, because he was telling me he's working every night in the library. I said, I don't know how this is all going to, I don't know if I said that, but I said, there's this angel assigned to you to speed up your research. And what happened, Walter? 
I come up here? Can we get a, a mic and then I, I promise I will close. You tell it. You're better at it. Yeah, bring the mic up here. Oh, it's on. Um, well, at that point, when that Friday night, um, I was at one particular point in writing where it was just like a roadblock. Nothing was happening, nothing was moving. And at this particular juncture in doing your dissertation, you have to read so many articles and write so many pages. In this particular point, I had to write, read about 80 different articles and the summary just on that alone was about 30 pages. And it's just like writing a big book report. That's what you're doing. You're summarizing other people's work. And uh, it's just like just a little bit. you would work and you'd write and you'd read and you'd write and just you're getting nowhere. You spend hours, you might write a page. Um, Toiling. Since, yeah, since that night, um, you know, Abner prophesied that, and I started praying, you know, God, you know the words that are going to be ultimately approved. You know what the end is before I even sat down writing it. Go ahead and start giving those to me now. And as I started doing that, it started coming a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker. And, um, you know, since then I have written close to 30, 40, 50, about 60, 70 pages or so on it just getting the proposal together for the committee to approve. And in this process, there are so many different layers of just everybody reading what you're writing and saying, nope, we want you to write it this way. Nope, we want to change it this way. And so you hire an editor. So I hired an editor to go through this some and do some preliminary reading. And the comments, of course, there's corrections to come back, but her comments were, this is one of the best first drafts, rough drafts, that she's ever written or she's ever read. So all of that is still, and I've received some initial feedback from my chairman just last week, and it was very little changes that had to be made to that from her approval. And this is a doctor who has a master's from Yale and a doctorate from Harvard that's reading and going through that process. So and something's you're, working. You're, you're, it was like the pace of that was accelerated, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a whole lot, whole lot quicker pace, whole lot just started clicking a whole lot whole lot faster on that. And just little different pieces of the puzzle as you're putting this together started just coming together and making sense and like a little roadmap started coming out in that. Still Amen. a long way to go, but a lot further than what we were. Thank you. Thanks for yep. sharing that. Why don't you give God praise for that? Thanks for being hungry. Receive this word tonight. Break, but I'm done. <laughs> if you receive this word, I just want you to one, two, three, just stand on your feet. Thank you, Lord. I just saw a moment ago a door in the spirit opening for us. And this is what I believe the Lord is just going to have us do as we close this session, it's this. There's a, there's something when we just agree with God that there comes an empowering presence. And tonight, there's an empowering presence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'm just going to count to three. And, and basically, all we're doing tonight, it's not all we're doing, but we're saying, once again, God, with your help, we surrender all.
we choose with your help to say with your help we're surrendering every area of your life to the lordship of the kingdom of God. And we say that you are well able, God. You're well able to take care of every area of our life. I just feel this for someone here tonight. I just feel like there's like this idol of um, ministry. It's not bad to know that you're called, but it's like become an idol. You, When's my time? When's my time? When's my time? It's like there's this invitation from the Lord to just surrender it. And that as that dies, it'll be resurrected way more powerfully than you've ever thought. And I believe specifically you had this dream of where you saw the Lord allowing you to minister to a great many people publicly. But it's like right now that's just become like an idol to even the process of God. So if you're able to, and I encourage you, if you've got to move out of an aisle, I'm just going to count to three, and I just want you to take one step forward. Because there's an open door, and it's a prophetic act of this empowering presence of God coming upon us to be living sacrifices. And there's an altar from heaven here tonight. There's an altar from heaven where we say, we truly surrender all to the king and his kingdom. And out of that place, all is his. So just count to three. One, two, three. Just whoa. Just take one step forward. Just do me a favor. Just lift your hands. I just see like the fire of God. There's like a cloud of God's fire in this room. I see him delivering of religious mindsets, wrong thinking, wrong motives. But I also see um, empowering for service unto him. The Lord says, there is a way that seems right unto man. And the Lord says, coming into this region, there is a pure word of the Lord that will begin to come. And the Lord says, there's a door opening in heaven over this region tonight, says the Lord. It's a door where the word of the Lord can run freely and swiftly so that the eyes of men and women could be open to know what is their hope and what is their longing? And the Lord says there's a, I see like this judge of a, like the, the gavel, that's it, the gavel. And the Lord says that there's an authority that I'm releasing even to Cornerstone tonight of releasing God's unadulterated word as never before. And the Lord says as you'll be faithful to deliver my word, the Lord says, I'm opening heaven over this place. This will be, as Jesus spoke to Nathaniel, if you believe, 
you'll not only see this, but you'll see greater works. And you'll see heaven open, and you'll see angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man. And the Lord says, truly, I'm marking this land, even tonight, for the purposes of God. For the Lord said, many, many years ago, there were believers who entrusted this land to the work of the Lord. And the Lord says, I have given it to you to advance the work of the Lord in this region as never before. I've given it to you to be an apostolic center that teaches and trains people and sends them to the nations of the world. I've given it to you to be a center where people are trained in how to build healthy families and who know the love of God. I've given you this land to deliver people of oppression of the mind and addiction and to restore them to the promise that I desired for them before the foundation of the earth. And the Lord would say, I want to accelerate things in this house as never before. And the Lord says, I am releasing a spirit of acceleration for the purposes of God. And I see this gavel even falling from heaven, and the gavel is even tonight smashing idols, religious mindsets, and a free flow of the voice of God. I see this gavel now moving through this auditorium. It is unlocking some of your ears to hear as never before. The Lord says to you, you were stuck and you didn't even know you were stuck. But the Lord says to you, his kindness and his grace is sufficient for you to step ahead. And there is deliverance from the bondage of this world system. And the Lord says, there's a release of my miraculous power in your midst, even beginning tonight. I see a door opening for some of you. It will even, I believe, begin tonight. A door of encounter in your dreams tonight. Some of you, there's a release of the baptism of fire tonight. The fire of the Lord will consume you even as you sleep. Some of you will don't not know if you're in heaven or on earth, but you'll visit heavenly places so I might show you things in the earth. And there's a breaking free of even a religious spirit that has kept you from seeing and moving and moving supernaturally. For understand, you're living in strategic times. Mashikabukaya. This is a time that even my prophets of old long to live in. This is a time where speaking and manifestation will sometimes occur in hours of time. This is a time, the Lord says, where the church will not scale the mountain, but they will speak to that mountain. This is a time where the voice of the Lord will be heard in the earth as never before. And the Lord says, I'm going to release and I'm going to begin even in June, says the Lord. Mahayana Mosakaya. 
pure messengers in the earth as never before. There's coming. I see. I see pure prophets of the Lord that are going to come outside the religious system. Even the Lord says you'll even see the religious system try and They'll even say things like they're unkind or they don't know God's heart. They'll be speaking apostolic in cities. And the Lord says signs and wonders will confirm their message on a daily basis. And the Lord says even to his people tonight, do not reject what you do not understand. They're coming in the earth and they'll move from heaven to earth in a way that has not been demonstrated before. And the Lord says, I have not left America without. The Lord said, Mahaya Sukha, particularly in the next three months, three years, it is a season of mercy over this nation. Mercy, 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 because the Lord says, mercy will triumph over judgment, says the Lord. And the Lord says to his people, I'm a God who answers prayer. I'm a God who's heard the cries of my righteous people. And the Lord says there will be a righteous standard in this nation as never before. The Lord says, I'm going to show or there'll be a visible display of a bankrupt religious system and the true people of God in this season. The Lord says the world will come and find refuge in true men and women of God. And the Lord says there'll be a harvest that even the biggest stadiums in this nation cannot contain. I see the Lord releasing fire on some of your mouth. And the Lord says to some of you, It'll be like a fire shot up in your bones. And the Lord says to his people, my gift to you this, se- this season is to know the times and the seasons, but also knowledge to apply it. The Lord says to his people, do not grow weary in well-doing. The Lord says to his people, Lean into me as never before. I'm giving grace for you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I see God stamping us tonight. And the Lord says there's, it's actually Jesus stamping us tonight. The Lord says, the release of my power to you tonight will stamp you for eternity. And the Lord says to you tonight, I will hold you responsible for what you've received tonight. For there is a grace in this room to shift eternity, Mama Shika, for your family, for your sphere of influence. Mama, Mama Shika Bokaya. The Lord is unlocking for some of you tonight open visions. Mama, I break that lie that you're losing your mind that'll cause you to turn away from what the Lord wants to reveal to you. 
I'm telling you, there's a seer realm opening. What I mean by seeing, it's like the Lord's going to open your eyes and supernatural powers given you to the Lord would minister to you through, through dreams, through visions, and through his powers never before. And the Lord says to his people, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes upon me. Don't turn away to the right or to the left. For even some of you who stand up in boldness, there'll be a challenge to the purpose of God. There'll be a challenge even from own family members. But the Lord would say to you, stand bold. Stand bold. Stand bold. Stand bold. And stand offense-free. Stand bold and stand offense-free. Thank you, Lord. There's healing in this room. Just receive healing. I'm telling you, there's just healing in this room. If there's something wrong with your body, there's not going to be any word. Not, there's just, just receive it. It's one thing we learn as, as, as his people, just to receive it, even if it's nothing said. Just receive it. It's in this room right now. Just saw somebody's right ear get healed. Just receive healing. In Jesus' name. Can we just say this? Father, let it be according to your word. So say this one more time. Father, let it be according to your word. In my life, in my family's life. Amen. You can be seated for just a minute. Yeah, just give God praise if you would. Really appreciate you being. We're just going to receive an offering uh, to close the evening. The ushers will just get ready. We're going to close tonight with this. Really, really appreciate your patience tonight. Tomorrow is a full day. Malachi, the third chapter, says this. If you guys up there would, wouldn't mind uh, putting those slides up of how people might give. Malachi, the third chapter, verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet how have you robbed me? You say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this now, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will be not room enough to receive it. We've talked extensively tonight about the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, God, the king, is ever giving. 
and he never lacks. And one of the ways he causes us to be able to function in this world, not of this world, but in this world, is that we have the opportunity, if you're a member of a local church, that's just a given. First 10% belongs unto God. And then we have an opportunity to give offerings. That's tonight, what we're going to receive tonight for this ministry. And I like that part because he says, I will, will I not open up the windows of heaven to you? Deuteronomy 8.18 tells us this, it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth. I believe that, because what we're doing tonight is an act of worship, that when we enter into this act of worship, because we're agreeing with God in this area, it opens up our ability to have ideas, understanding, and our sphere of influence that causes us to be prosperous in this world system when everyone else is not prospering. So, part of it, he says there, it's interesting that there may be food in my house. Obviously, your tithe does that. When you give an offering, there's a natural need that you get to meet. You get to be a blessing to this ministry. You get to be a blessing to all the ministries ministering here today. But there's this wonderful thing that goes beyond that. You meet that natural need, but you unlock something in your life. You unlock creativity. You unlock understanding. You unlock wisdom on your behalf because it opens up heaven, and God also goes, I'm protecting your stuff in the process. It's a pretty good exchange. So tonight, as the people of God, I really, really want to encourage you. The Lord has had me on this journey now for a number of years of learning to give like Him. And what I've learned is really interesting. He said this to me a number of years ago. He said, if you don't trust me with the money that's in your hand, you'll never trust me with your life. So tonight, I want you to give exactly what the Lord tells you to give. Might be a stretch, might be something you normally give, but tonight, there's a, a release, and I always encourage do not just give casually your tithe and offering. Never do that because you're actually partnering with that unseen realm of God in your life. And you're putting God at his word. And you're thanking him for taking care of not only your needs, but everything about it. One of the greatest testimonies, and I believe it should be for every ministry, is that when we started giving to your ministry, something unlocked in our life. That's what Paul said, isn't it? He said, when you gave to me, my God supplied all of your needs. Not only my God supplied all your needs, you partook of my apostolic calling and you got to be a part of everything I did because you partnered with me in that way. So we want you to, we want to encourage you to partner with not only what God's doing in this ministry, but I believe around the world. And allow God to lead you tonight and what you're supposed to give. Notice I didn't say I want to take an offering because I don't want to take anything you don't want give. But, and I want to stand in faith with you, that you would not be bound to this world system. 
You wouldn't be in fear every time the bills came. You wouldn't worry how your family's going to eat. You wouldn't worry about anything. But you would know that you know that you know, no matter what, because you're cooperating with God in this area. My God shall supply all of my needs. So just give you a moment. It, ushers, come on up. You've got um, envelopes. Uh, you can give responsibly through credit card. Guys, come on up, pl- please, quickly. I've preached a while tonight. <laughs> if you want to make out a check, please make it out for such time as this. You can give by text. The information's up there. Give online. Uh, you can give through this envelope through text, through, through your credit card. But please, 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 please fill out all the information and please fill it out legibly because we love tongues, but we don't want to interpret your envelope. And we just believe as everyone participates, as God leads them, that every, not only every expense, but more than enough will be taken care of for these meetings. Check first of time as if you want to give cash, you can also put in that envelope, make sure you get giving credit on that. And uh, we'll just give you a chance to let the Lord lead you. <laughs> then we'll just receive an offering. I want to thank you again, just as um, you're getting ready, I just want to thank you again for your attentiveness tonight. Really, really appreciate it. And um, like I said, when I don't, I'm not trying to go long, but when we're on assignment, we're on assignment. Tomorrow morning, there'll be a pre-service prayer at 9.20 and 9.30. We'll get rolling. And um, so, so excited about what God's going to release through Pastor Al. Really, really encourage you to, to um, come tomorrow morning. Cancel what you have. It's not as important as Pastor Al wants to say to you through God. <laughs> From God. To Pastor Al, to you. You ready to give? If you're ready to give, why don't you stand, lift your seat. And guys, can you just put the buckets up here? We'll just leave the buckets up here and you come up and give. Old Testament, when they received offerings, they came as a family and they would remind God what he said. It's nothing wrong with passing buckets, I just don't like doing it. (laughs) Would you lift your seat in the air? I just want to pray over it. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you because you do give seed to the sower. Somebody, by the end of the year, your house is going to get paid off. I don't know who it was, so don't ask me. I just know. Somebody's car is going to get paid off. Somebody, you're going to buy a a car cash. You've been believing God to do that. It's going to happen this year. Some of you have a kid going to college and God is going to supernaturally provide a way. The Lord just told me it's not just, um, it's not just some, it's everything that your, your child will need. It's coming. The Lord says it's, it's, it's on its way, it's in the mail. So Father, we thank you that you're king over everything, you're king over our finances. I bless your people as they give, but also, Lord, give them the grace to manage well so they can be positioned for increase. Lord, the grace on my life and ministry, would you add it as they give to this ministry to what you've called them to do? And I thank you for a supernatural flow of wisdom, revelation, and the power of God in what you've called them to do. 
And we all agree tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you as you give. We are done for tonight. We'll see you tomorrow morning.